out there. This is your friend, Mr. J, the Joker. And we have another episode of Dane Rants for you today. And if I don't kill him... (laughs) Then we can listen to his words of wisdom on this new movie called The Batman. Batman's always been a friend of mine. For years we've fought, but he always shows spirit. And I don't mean the liquor type. So you guys enjoy the show, and remember, put a smile on your face! <laughs> Why, every time I do these shows, doesn't matter if it's a wrestling one, some weirdo has to, you know, come on here and introduce a show and just... Make me look like a, a, a strange individual, but I, I, how are you guys doing out there? That's the question. Everyone out there in Geek Fives Nation, the universe, wherever you're at, I don't care. Hope you're having a great day. On this episode of Dane Rants, we're going to really dive in to the Batman. And I'm going to go over every nook and cranny, so just right now. This is a spoiler review, so if you haven't seen the Batman, you might want to go fucking watch it, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about everything off the top of my head. I don't have a lot of notes written. I have information about some other stuff we'll talk about that I'm very excited about involving miniseries coming to HBO Max, but other than that, I just wanted to give you guys a, not really a review, but just a reflection on the movie itself. I, I really prepared myself a lot for this. If you guys haven't seen the companion um, podcast to this one, the first one I did, I went and reviewed my top 20 Batman films, both animated and live action. And yes, that means I watched all of them throughout the course of a couple months. I also started obsessing and I watched a lot of just I guess you could say mystery movies, but like detective stories. Going back to the ones that influence this film, like your Chinatowns, like your David Fincher's, you know, um, uh, Seven, obviously, Zodiac, uh, and diving deep into some really great 90s thrillers that came out afterwards. Obviously before it, with Silence of the Lambs, but then some good ones, you know, and some terrible ones. (laughs) And we don't have to go into every single one of them but I, I got in this mindset ready for this movie. And I really liked it. I mean, I think that overloading my brain on Batman and psychological thrillers and mystery movies, uh, like it was a fun experience. I don't know if I'd recommend it for everyone. But it might have put more hype than was needed, I would say, for this film. Like, I prepared for it a lot. Whereas... I, I, and I wish I recorded and did the same setup like I did, uh, but with the Spider-Man movie. We did a review for it, uh, No Way Home, but I afterwards, before seeing it a second time in theaters, I went and watched all the Spider-Man films and tried to have them all, including um, Into the Spider-Verse. Still think Miles could have made somewhat of an appearance, but whatever. I'm not going to go there. But anyways... You know, and then went and saw it again. I had so much more. This, I just went crazy. I mean, throughout the course of this time, I even watched American Psycho, Citizen Kane, 
I went down different rabbit holes and uh, expanded my horizons. But yeah, getting back to my reflection on the Batman, I really was building this up. And I think in a lot of aspects, and especially stuff that they're doing going forward, my intrigue is at an all-time high. I think that the acting performances in this movie were awesome. I think that the the direction itself and the the way he Matt Reeves, you know, the guy that did two incredible Planet of the Apes movies that were so much more within realism and kind of reflecting off of a modern concept of always being at war with another thing. Um, you know, just making these very intelligent Planet of the Apes movies. And I believe he's the one who either wrote or directed. I think J.J. Abrams produced it, but I think he directed the first Cloverfield. And even though it's a shaky cam movie, I love that movie when it came out. Now, I haven't seen it in years. But he's got a great scope for movies. And him combining elements within this of The Last Halloween, which I was able... I've read it years ago, but I was I rewatched the part one and part two on HBO Max. Really great adaptation from everything I remember of the comic book. And also Year One, which has been done kind of to death, I would say. I think that, well, maybe not to death, because I don't think that Batman 89 really took that much from it, but definitely Batman Begins does. This is more of like a second year, because Robert Pattinson's Batman has been involved uh, for, you know, two years now, and working with uh, Jim Gordon, who's now Commissioner. By the way, one more time, just in case I accidentally throw something out there, spoilers, watch movie. Spoilers! Danger, Will Robinson! Error! You know, just watch the film, come back. Because at this point, I'm just going to kind of like, just go throughout the film. Uh, I'll break down the actors afterwards of their individual acting performances. I'll give my rating, and then I'll talk about the three miniseries. Or, I don't know, I, th- I think one of them's a miniseries. And then two shows coming to HBO Max that I'm particularly excited about. Uh, But, first the aesthetic, the look. The look reminded me more of, well, actually Joker. Obviously Joker's supposed to be in the mid-80s, but they just give it that... Like, if if, uh, the animated series, and a lot of other things have done this, where for some reason Gotham's like kind of even futuristic to an extent, uh, but all the cars are like from the 50s and 40s and shit. It's got that still like that same gangster appeal even to the vehicles. This is more of like a early 90s, 80s. Like it looks gritty. It looks kind of like the video games. There's a lot of qualities about this that remind me of the video games. In And, you know, besides being year one uh, for this kind of setting stuff up, besides being, you know, a part uh the 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 whole entire story from Jeff Loeb and Tim Sales of the Long Halloween there was hush elements too also uh written by Jeff Loeb fun fact Jeff Loeb was one of uh Matt Reeves screenwriting teachers before he did his thing at Marvel and started producing all those television shows that we saw on Netflix like Daredevil and Jessica Jones and Punisher and 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 Luke Cage and all, and everything that was on there. I guess I forgot one. Something about a fist of iron. I don't know. Anyways, um, but obviously there was a fallout between Pew Mutter and uh, who ran Marvel, 
and Kevin Feige, and uh, Bob Iger made the smart decision of going with Kevin Feige and told Pumutter to fuck off and put Feige at the head. So I don't know what involvement Loeb does you know, now, but back in the day, I mean, he wrote some amazing detective stories that had a lot of elements of the Frank Miller and also the animated series made by, by Paul Dini uh, with the Long Halloween, Dark Victory, and Hush which I would recommend for everyone. So there was definitely sprinkles of that Jeff Loeb thing, and I think maybe their personal relationship. And Matt Reeves claims that he was a comic book fan. Um, so I'm I'm assuming he is, especially based on this. Like I said, the, uh, the movies that apparently he had some vision from, because he wrote the script as well. I found that out because uh, I, I asked that, you know, on my last show. And he wrote the script... And he kind of envisioned this. He was thinking of Chinatown, which Chinatown's based, I think it's based, I'm assuming, Roman Polanski based it partially off of The Maltese Falcon, which is another movie I haven't seen in years that I watched recently with Humphrey Bogart. Classic film. Um, But, you know, was mixing that, Chinatown, with Seven, obviously, Zodiac, both from David Fincher, and giving it that grimier feel, uh, like we talked about, that 90s detective story within the city that's going really it's kind of whereas the nolan series kind of really tra- like tackle the the politics and the crime element more so than anything else i think so like it was inspired especially off of heat especially off that second one with uh the dark knight and that opening scene for one thing but like the crime element within that and also kind of he based some some stuff within the scope of, of Citizen Kane about, you know, that story of a man that's good that can kind of have, you know, have ups and downs, but become a different person by the, you know, the beginning of his journey, if you will. Um, but that's also heavily off of not only the Dark Knight perception uh, that Frank Miller created, but also of the long Halloween within the Nolan stuff. But it was more, like I said, a crime drama. Like it was more about like the crime element within that city and the city itself being a bigger object than say to compare to the Keaton, you know, Tim Burton, Joel Schumacher verse, that whole entire concept, which it was more about Batman as an individual and a lot of the weird interactions like, I think that the Dark Knight trilogy kind of represents more the corruption of the city itself. And there is definitely that element within Matt Reeves, but Matt Reeves is kind of bringing it back to, say, the animated series, where you're getting to see the detective work, and you're getting to see these crazy-ass villains, especially, like, brought out... Like, this Riddler, obviously, is a much more a serial killer. He's basically John Doe from Seven. He wants credibility he wants to put on this amazing act that people will talk about uh whereas john doe gets his wish this version of the riddler played by paul dano uh does not but that's why i will say since the backdrop of the arkham games themselves were the animated series it's still written by paul Dini, you know and you have kevin conroy coming back as batman obviously hamill as joker but like it's more position as a video game, but the look of it was very gritty. And, you know, it, this film, when you go down an alleyway, you can smell it. That's how it's, it's such a different concept. You can see so much 
not only of seven, but like of the aesthetic that they were trying to go for of making Gotham different but similar. Um, I love the, the the gothic look of Wayne Manor and some of the buildings, definitely harpening back to Tim Burton uh, and how they did it. Also in Gotham, the television series, one of the things that I really liked about it was the aesthetic that it had that gothic look that I think is very important, but it's still its own city. And I just think that the movie itself, how it flows as a detective story, you've got, it's basically like, it's not a cop story in the sense of like, you know, like a lethal weapon, even though the first lethal weapon was much darker than the sequels and then whatnot. It's, it's much more gritty, two cops trying to figure out what happened. One of them happens to be Batman. The other one happens to be Jim Gordon. And I love the, the perception from the cops of when Batman's around, it's very much like the Dark Knight. Like when Christian Bale's, uh, you know, Batman is like, you know, uh, let me get in here before your men, before they mess up my crime scene. And I forgot about Martinez. She gets all pissed off about that to Jim Gordon. And that's because of the level of corruption within the cops. Uh, it's a very interesting story about the Riddler. He's trying to get rid of certain individuals that he deems is basically the reason for the level of corruptness within Gotham itself. And, you know, you have at first the first person that he goes for, the mayor, who's right now in a, in a race to become mayor again, going against a, a, uh, um, a, a person, uh, another person. I forgot what the name of the, the lady that ended up becoming the mayor uh, due to him becoming getting killed, but him, um, they want to take down, uh, you know, the the commissioner of the police department because of his corruption. The Riddler is trying to go after. Uh, there was one more. Oh, the uh, DA, the current uh, district attorney, because of his corruption. Uh, played by, I know his last. I think it's Peter Skarsgård. Almost positive. Um, I could be wrong. I'll probably end up looking that up. You know how I am with these. It just drives me crazy. When we go over the cast, I should be able to find out everyone's name. But he, uh, you know, he's the DA. He's got a level of corruption. Everything kind of falls to what is called in at least the uh, Long Halloween, the Roman, which is Falcone. He's the head of all the mafia. You know, he took out... um, the problem of the Moretti's, I think it's the Moretti's, the other big crime family, The I, I can't think of it off the top of my head, but he's now head, Penguin is his main man right underneath him, and this all this corruption that's happened, especially with, once again, like Joker, Thomas Wayne trying to run for mayor to do better, but getting involved with the wrong people in order to succeed, and then ultimately Falcone, sends the hit for uh, Joe Chill to kill uh, Bruce Wayne's parents. They don't show that. They just talk about it. They even implement it with this kid within the movie who is the son of the mayor, you know, being throughout at him and his mom, kind of representing how Bruce felt. Everyone's seen it a fucking million times. We don't need to see Uncle Ben getting killed. We don't have to see the Waynes getting killed. It happens all the time. You know, let's just move on from it. We even saw the fucking Wayne killings and, and Joker, you know? So I, I liked that they went for this and kind of kept that out of it. Um, Robert Pattinson's Batman 
is very brutal, <laughs> especially the way he fights. He's representing vengeance. That would change. The dynamic would change by the end of it. And he would be going more of his approach on hope and justice, which is something that Batman stands for. And what really, honestly, puts this variation of, of change within his attitude is seeing what the Riddler does and a attack that he has on someone after putting adrenaline in him that... Or is it adrenaline? Could it be venom? Anyways, um... He almost kills someone, and so he realized he has to approach things by the end of this in a different way, but he's also not murdersome. Yeah, he beats the fuck out of some people. By the way, I cuss. If you didn't know that, sorry. Anyways, he beats the fuck out of some people in this, and it's uh, it's brutal, <laughs> and the fighting's great. It's, it's not as precise and as perfect as I would say Ben Affleck's, because Ben Affleck's is very much like the video game. And I mean, how the hell do you sense people coming towards your back? Like, but it's still really good. He takes on 10 people all the time. You know, he's got a lot of abilities. Apparently in this, they kind of hint at the fact that Alfred, who even in the Dark Knight trilogy was ex, like, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, British intelligence, you know, basically like a James Bond special agent type of concept. So a lot of his training has come from Andy Serkis, who I hope we get more of. That's definitely another thing I did not like about. I mean, he's there's a reason for it, but the fact that this is supposed to be the badass, you know, kind of like Gotham, the television series, even more so represented, and he was a, a person that, that partially trained Bruce. I'm assuming he went through different martial arts training. That's what Bruce Wayne did uh, throughout being a kid. Basically, he was trying to get better as a fighter, so I'm sure it's the same type of thing. But, yeah... I love the uh, I love the mystery element. I love all the puzzles, the riddles. Definitely brings you back to those episodes of the animated series Riddler, or just any basically medium. It, it, it's it's the same one, except for in a much more twisted, dark way. Like I feel like within this universe, say they were to do someone like a, a Mister Freeze, Victor Fries would actually be someone whose wife was murdered, and you know. Instead of like you know has some disease that he has to freeze, he can be still a professor, but that tilts him and causes him to be maybe a vigilante or just a cold-blooded killer who freezes his victims and kind of keeps them maybe as like a like something someone that Dexter would go after. I guess his brother was similar to that, but it's been so long I don't remember. But you get what I'm saying. Like you can turn these in, in into all very psychological murderous people scarecrow obviously um you know and all the fucked up nature of him you could try scarface if you want to i think in this universe i think that it would actually work there are certain people that this universe i think allows to show some of those weirder characters and based on the arkham series that they're going to be making we're going to get to know some of the inmates of the asylum uh, in a like an anthology series, it sounds like. I'm not 100% sure, but the dynamic between Robert Pattinson and Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman's great. Uh, their relationship, I like how it develops throughout it. I actually like that she's kind of got this Electra-like backstory, or at least the, the uh, Ben Affleck Electro. But in reverse, instead of her being the daughter of this mafios who gets killed by the kingpin for, you know, fucking him over. Uh, this version, 
I believe Black Cat actually had a similar backstory. Could be getting all this shit wrong. So, sorry if I do. It's been a while since I actually went and thought of these concepts as they're coming out of my mouth. So, whatever. But she's involved with the Falcone. She, he, she's uh, like a daughter of him that he no, has no idea exists. I think John Turturro uh, was awesome as Falcone. I didn't see that coming. Just because I watched, uh, you know, The Long Halloween and watched the version that was in those comics that's, well, kind of a big buff dude, even so. and But he does a great job. I thought he was kind of a, a diamond in the rough in, in the sense that I just didn't expect his character to be that deeply involved in the story. And he's a big actor. He wasn't really talked about. But Colin Farrell, holy shit, the Iceberg Lounge, bringing that back from the animated series and then also in the comics. Uh, but this is much more of like a, a dance club that the mafia gets to go to one level while the, you know, simpletons kind of dance their ass off and he caters towards Falcone. And like I said, he's going to be trying to take over uh, later on within the series. So uh, just just a really if, if you the reason why I'm losing uh, like my, my, my train of talking is because if you told me that this was Colin Farrell, I would have told you you're fucking nuts. But I knew that going into it and what they did with the prosthetics and everything. It's like they Colin Farrell is playing almost like a Tony Soprano in this world. And the way they did it, the way they went about it. Yeah, they're changing aspects of the character, but he doesn't have fucking flippers and didn't live in the goddamn sewer. Um, so I, I don't, I don't care. Like he becomes kind of like a corrupt mob boss going from a a smaller villain, you know, just trying to steal stuff within the comic books and the animated series. So I don't mind them kind of doing that, but even bringing more into the mafia element. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing his rise, this Scarface like rise in his, what sounds like it's going to be probably like a one-off series. But still, if I get to see more of this version, this Colin Farrell version of the Penguin, this Tony Soprano having a Scarface-like story, and from what from what I know, it's it's being written or it's being produced by obviously Matt Reeves, but also one of the developers for uh, stuff like The Wire and um, Sopranos. Uh, I forgot what his name is. I actually have this stuff in front of me. Some of this stuff because I, I come prepared. I'd like to say. Probably not. Not as much as I should. But, you know, whatever. Let's see. Oh, no, no, no. That's the Gotham PD show that's coming out. We'll talk about that, too. But this one, I'm looking forward to it. If it's an eight-episode arc of him taking over the crime world and gives you, like, a Sopranos-like feel to it, that's going to be really fun. And, like I said, we get more of Colin Farrell as a penguin becoming a villain, not in the sense of those psychos that come out, but all, but more of the crime side of things, which is what Batman is dealing with in Gotham constantly. Those two beautiful types of sociopaths. So, the Riddler himself, Paul Dano, is excellent in this. Paul Dano is excellent in every fucking movie you see him in. He plays a wonderful, distraught young man that just wants girls to like him and something like Girl Next Door, (laughs) the first thing I saw him in. He plays a, a character that goes back and forth acting-wise, you know, with someone like a Daniel Day-Lewis and There Will Be Blood. He can play 
an amazing version of Brian Wilson in Love and Mercy. He's just a very talented actor, um, a mentally disturbed younger kid that gets framed for something he didn't do in a movie like uh, Prisoners, you know. He is just a very, very really good actor, and he plays Riddler. It gives me like a Edward Nigma. There's always been like the business guy that gets fucked in Wayne Industries uh, because he does something that you know goes wrong or whatever. Animated series went down that route. The Schumacher side of the Burton Schumacher era went down that route. And then you have more of the meek version that's been presented sometimes in the comics. And he's, I mean, it goes beyond that. He's not only a, a great killer, he's, uh, you know, a, a marksman, as long as you get him right in the light, apparently. Um, that's one of the uh, clues. So that's it, the detective story. That's the best aspect of Riddler. The clues that he leaves. These are stuff that he's done in the comic books, everything but very intelligent of getting from one place to the other. And there is a part where Batman screws up, but there's also an even bigger part at the end where Riddler screws up. And Riddler, I loved it because you think that he figured out that Batman was Bruce Wayne. And now he's trying to kill Bruce Wayne, and he tells Batman and almost inevitably kills Alfred, but doesn't somehow. Um... So, I love that scene where he's talking to him. It very much reminded me in ways of the Dark Knight interrogation scene, but where he's talking to him for the first time after he gives himself up. You know, like I said, this was very much a Zodiac, but also the John Doe 7 style killer that wants to make this big artistic-like plot of, of doom and engulf the city in madness and, you know... At the end of it, the cherry on top is like whatever you can figure out. But he basically gets what he's trying to do. And that's, you know, Batman, for all the things that he gets right, this guy, even in prison, incites a bunch of followers, kind of like a little bit in the dark night with the Joker, that will go out and do his bidding. And when he sets off the explosions that Batman was a couple steps behind, uh, it causes the whole entire city to flood, and all these power outages happen, you know, people are running amok, there's looting and murdering, and just, it's crazy, it's very similar, I keep on saying this to Joker, after Joker kills, well, even beforehand with the protest itself, but after Joker kills Robert De Niro's character, um, and this, this is uh, the same thing, and he goes and he, the the they, they basically the Madison Square Garden to Gotham, Gotham Square Garden, um, you know, is where the new mayor elect is being, you know, sentenced in and and giving her speech and everything, and he goes to save her, and that's when all these marksmen that have you know been working with the Riddler online community really paying this cool concept of the scariness on either side of the spectrum, you know, whether you, it, it, it be your collection of inept, you know, like, um, weird pe people that kind of unfortunately get this cult like concept incels, if you will, or even like maybe not the same level of this organization, but like an Antifa type of 
mindset of trying to take over is what the perception I got of these people talking to him, promoting online. A lot of those aspects, I liked how they, they went about that with the Riddler because that's exactly what it would probably happen in modern times. And yeah, um, even uh, almost killing the friggin' mayor, you know, and the whole thing gets flood. The, 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 the step that I like that they took is like I said, the realization of Batman, they keep on calling him vengeance as a joke. And he even says it. And it's kind of a joke when you hear it off the commercial, my buddy drew kept on making that comment because it's, it's true. It's like, I'm vengeance. We get it. But at the end of it, I liked how when he has this realization, when he almost kills this dude, he decides it's better instead of it's not all about that. It's not just getting vengeance. It's also protecting and having hope and and being justice. You know, you know, that 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 side of vengeance doesn't include where you're doing it based on emotions, if you will. You're doing it for the betterment of mankind and he goes and he jumps in the water like he's baptized and comes out and starts saving people. Really, really good film. Um, Storyline in general, the, the clues where it brings you, was this person corrupt? Was his family corrupt? You know, you get that question with the Waynes, how much of a connection did they have to Falcone, you know, when they were on their rise and finding out the, that, that, you know, Wayne was just trying to cover up for, um, uh, I forgot, Martha Wayne. I should remember Martha. I don't know how the fuck I forgot. Martha! Um, you know, because she has a mental breakdown a bit. Where was that Joker? Sorry, guys. I just watched Tom Phillips' Joker last night, so this is fresh in my head. No, I believe that was in this, but why did she have the mental breakdown? I don't remember. Um... No, I, I I believe it's in this. I'm having a brain fart, if you can't tell. But I don't remember exactly the reason why it happened. But I know that that definitely affected things. And then obviously Falcone goes out and takes out those two after he doesn't win as mayor. So just a just a very interesting story. And like I said, I love the the look. I love the the shots. Uh, uh, the pacing. This is where my negative stuff comes out. There is definitely some stuff. Like, the cinematography is beautiful. The eye that, you know, Reeves has and works with a cinematographer, I don't remember which one it is offhand, but they do a great job together. Um, And his editing is really good. It just, I feel like there's 30 minutes of this movie that between parts could have been clipped out uh, and tightened up a bit. It definitely dragged. I can understand if someone realized that this movie is coming out April 19th on HBO Max of just waiting until it comes out. Because, especially with all the expanded universe stuff of this story and this universe for Batman that's going to be happening on the same product, it's earlier than it's way earlier than normal for most movies. Actually, it's cool that I get to watch this and No Way Home around the same time period, within the same month. That will be fun. But you know, it's it's not like this huge <laughs> tentpole film in the sense, or even not even tentpole, but like Dune, for instance. I think you should go see in theaters. Just it, the scope of it, the size of it. Uh, Endgame would be another one of a completely different thing. Most Star Wars movies, even the crappy ones. Um, But this one, 
you know, there's nothing wrong with being able to just watch it on your television with your sound system or your surround system or, or sound bar or whatever the fuck you have. Uh, maybe you're lucky enough to have a theater. Fuck you. No, I'm just kidding. Good for you. Good for you. I'm just jealous. A little bit jealous. Um, but you know, it chill at home, pause it, maybe poke a small, you know, eat something, go to the bathroom. Um, that's all kind of nice because, you know, when you do compare this to like a Sounds of the Lamb 7, I think they were both over two hours long. Three hours just pushing it. I'm sorry. Keep my attention for that long. And yeah, there's a lot of fighting, but it's not like a, a superhero film in, in that sense either. There's not constant fighting. There's not like, I actually, even though it was ridiculous, most of it, I like the, uh, the, the car chase scene. Um, I like those in, in movies. Some people are not as big a fans of it, but I thought it was awesome. But there's not a lot of that compared to the detective aspect. So if you weren't going with the mindset that I'm going to see something like Seven, or if you've never seen Chinatown, or don't really know that many detective stories, if you will, like Clute or um, what's a Hunt for Red October, I guess you could say is some type of a mystery story. You know, there's there's a lot of ones out there. Um that you could possibly see. But I guess Citizen Kane, for instance. Um, but this movie definitely for that negative concept, the positives, the world building, like one of my friends said that he, he thinks this could have been a one-off and I just know fucking Warner Brothers and how they're going to try to make as much money. And now hearing about all these miniseries, they're really trying to make a lot of money off it. And I don't blame them. Batman's a huge IP. They're getting Michael Keaton to come back. We don't know what else is going to happen within Flashpoint going forward, but Keaton seems to have a future of younger superheroes that he's trying to help out. It seems like is going to happen at the end of Flashpoint. Ben Affleck saying goodbye and stepping down. Are we getting another one involved with the DCEU that involves shit like Suicide Squad, Peacemaker, Wonder Woman, Aquaman? I don't know. You know, um, we'll have to see and wait for that. But this one, and I also would love to see Batman Beyond explored eventually too with Michael Keaton. Maybe that's another HBO series. But this one, a self-contained, more like the video games, uh, just... It's like taking a little bit of Paul Dini's creation and Jeff Loeb's creation of what they did for Batman and kind of combining them. Um, that's awesome. Like I said, I wish it wasn't so fucking long. And I'm I'm not saying that, that that's like a make it or break it. It just, after a while, like I said, I think that it could have been tightened up. I don't think movies need to be fucking three hours unless they need to be fucking three hours. But I still really like the film. I think that... Like I said, all the cast members, let me, I know I went through a couple of them, but let me just kind of like dive down into this. Robert Pattinson, the big complaint I'm hearing is that he is Batman only in this. And I think two years back training for this, it seems like this one even more so than Christian Bale, who takes the advice of Alfred and starts presenting himself and trying to live that double life so people can't catch on that he's the Batman. Um, I don't think that that's in his perception. I think he's probably been stoic and very quiet throughout his life. Like I said, working at different martial arts and stuff like that and getting better at 
stuff that he's going to use in the future whenever he decided he was going to become Batman. So I don't mind them developing. When it comes to Robert Pattinson as Batman, I like him a lot. Um, I think that the Ben Affleck route of going with the the automated voice is the best way to do it. Uh, And especially presented by what happened within the Dark Knight films and how just forced, especially in Dark Knight itself, um, you know, Christian Bale's voice got... But I like Robert Pattinson, how it's quiet, but it's very direct and still has that Batman presence. Um, it's it's good. It's it, it, it's still very, very, very good. And I think that he's excellent in this film. I like the fighting. I like him as Batman, his facial expressions, just his eyes in the costume, like sh- tell so much of a story. And um, yeah, I, I, he just gave me like early Batman feel like year one in the comics or the animated series when he's more, they don't show at first his playboy side that he develops. And he's more about just being always a detective. He's not as paranoid and as angry as he eventually will get, uh, or seemingly will get like he does in the comics in the animated series and the movies and whatnot. Zoe Kravitz, excellent, uh, just intelligent, sexy, just, Absolutely beautiful, beautiful and mesmerizing throughout the film. I like her story. I like that she's actually, you know, Falcone had an affair with one of the uh, the girls that worked at his place, and she is the daughter of that. And now she is working at the same club of uh, the Iceberg Lounge to get more involved and try to get back at her father. I love that she scratches him in the face at the end of it. A little bit of an homage to the long Halloween of how he had three you know, uh, scratch marks on his face as a scar. Um, but she's great. She definitely takes aspects. She takes some of the sex appeal aspects, I will say, or, or kind of subtleties of Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman and mix them in with a lot of the sarcasm of, of, um, oh man. Um, and this is where we do it the first time. That is, I think that is Nick Arcade, if I'm not mistaken. Anne Hathaway, sorry. Take some of that from there. Uh, And also, I mean, there is some Eartha Kit, also, I would say. It seems like she read the comics, she watched the animated series, she saw the different live-action iterations of the character and took a little bit from all of them. But she's still Zoe Kravitz. Which is not a bad thing. She just, there's something about her, this mystery of her during her acting performances that still, you kind of relate that she's probably like that somewhat in real life. And that relatable aspect, I think, is great. And I like that she's, the, the, she's not so much a cat burglar as in she's trying to, she has an overarch story of, of what she's trying to get done, and that is taking down her father from the inside out. Paul Dano, I already said, great actor, great performance. Uh, loved what they set up at the end, and we can kind of talk about it now. Now it's been confirmed from Matt Reeves, we're going to see more interactions with these two characters in this new Arkham series that's coming out. It'll probably be the last one, I think, that comes out from the three on HBO Max. But we do have a confirmation uh, that Barry... Who I mean, the fact that he wasn't in the whole entire film really gave it away, and there was all these rumors that uh, Barry, uh, I think it's 
Keoghan. Well, it's Irish, so I want to make sure. Keoghan. So Barry Keoghan. I'm probably butchering that, so I apologize. But known for uh, the killing of a sacred deer back in 2017. And then Dunkirk. Uh, he was one of the soldiers in that. And he was also in the Eternals. It looks like he's playing the Joker. And I think there has been a lot of Jokers. I feel like Jared Leto's uh, is going to be completely like, jump, just done. Like after after Flashpoint, I wouldn't be surprised if certain people that weren't a part of certain universes or certain people that were are out and someone's in for a lot of this stuff going forward with that universe. I feel like they're going to rebuild. I feel this is what I feel like with DC. I think that the DCEU, obviously they have another woman, Wonder Woman in the tooth, another Shazam, that there's possibilities that Henry Cavill's going to be in it, but I'm not going to hold my breath on it. Black Adam, you know, uh, Aquaman, all those movies are coming out that are still part of this universe. Ben's leaving. They're having this whole Flashpoint thing. What's it going to change? Is there going to be a DCEU now with maybe a different Batman in that? And then we also have this futuristic world where... Michael Keaton is still Batman, and he's now taking on the responsibility of training some of the younger new ones. Maybe that leads to a Terry McGinnis, you know, but we have Batgirl branching off of that that Michael Keaton's going to be in, and all the other ones, uh, you know, uh, Supergirl show, or the Supergirl, I think, series and movie. I don't fucking know. There's a lot going on, but I wonder if they're also toying with the possibility of not so much CW shows, that's kind of its own thing as well, but like, since this is leading to a lot of different avenues of, uh, you know, Batman series on HBO Max, you have a Green Lantern show coming out from Greg Berlanti, we all know that, you have a J.J. Abrams uh, Just Sleep Dark series that's coming out, and then you also have the uh, Superman series from Michael B. Jordan, uh, where they talk about Earth 2 and Val Zod. I wonder... Maybe if that could have a possibility of those series being interconnected. We'll have to wait and see. But uh, as far as the Joker being involved in this, you know, we have had a lot of Jokers. That's I will def- definitely agree. Like I said, I think that certain ones are gone. Like, we're never going to see Jack Nicholson's Joker. I really wish that Cameron Monaghan got a chance to maybe just get chosen. But I don't know how Barry's going to do. He's creepy as looking. I don't know if that's that's good for him. He was good in Dunkirk. He was one of the things that that stood out in Eternals. I know he's known for that that movie, The Killing of a Sacred Deer. I just haven't seen it, so maybe I'll have to check that out. But apparently they're not going straight to Joker. They're not going to have Riddler break out. That's going to be later on. They're going to explore them in this Arkham series. And if that's the case, this is a Joker before he was a Joker. Like, Batman caught him, but this is before he develops that personality. So... All right, we'll see where it goes. My whole thing is, I know this sounds ridiculous, but I know that the Joker was supposed to be in 85, but it never, I mean, do we really say, do they say that is what I'm saying. What I'm saying is if it was like in the mid-90s instead, or early 90s, you know, I mean, would it be that much of a difference? Like, look-wise, I mean, shit, this movie had seemed to have the same 80s fucking cars in it, you know? So, I don't know. If you do the math, he would probably have to be 55, which now he's approaching 50, uh, 
uh, what you call it, Joaquin Phoenix. So that's not you can you can age up people, and he was supposed to be thirty where he was I think thirty four when they filmed Joker, and he's they said twenty five years older than Bruce, who's ten. I mean, they could definitely have an older Joaquin Phoenix Joker if they wanted to do that, but I don't know if they want to cross paths. I know that Todd Phillips is now talking about doing another one. That makes me go, hmm, are they going to put him now as the Joker replacing Jared Leto? I don't know. Maybe he's gone. Maybe he's done. Maybe there's another one. It just makes no sense to do another Joker movie without Batman. And I think the interaction between these two, especially if you got a Joaquin Joker that's been in the game for a while and kind of been like a mystery, like no one knows if he really exists, just causing corruption for the fuck of it. It could be interesting. I also, after watching American Psycho, would love, and this is going to sound crazy, Christian Bale to be the first actor to say that he played Batman at a high level and also played the Joker and got to really try to go into that just craziness level opposite of Robert Pattinson's. But if we're doing it where, all right, Riddler's gone, he's in Arkham, Joker will slowly develop, maybe he'll be in the third movie or whatever, and we're going to do this series that might be a mini-series to kind of introduce stuff. All right, we'll see how that ride goes. I don't have a problem with the actor. Um, there are other guys that were, not I don't even think rumored, but hoped. Um, I know that, uh, is it Bill Skarsgård? The one that played Pennywise uh, definitely could have been someone... No, yes, Bill Skarsgård definitely could have been someone that potentially could have played Joker. I think Cameron Monaghan could have came over from the Goth- Gotham universe and really actually got to play the Joker. These guys are all around the same age, so to me it doesn't really matter. And I also, I like Joker older. I know that because of the killing joke, where Alan Moore kind of changed up aspects of what we heard. Because beforehand it was, who knows what the fuck his 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 deal is. And then there was, you know, a lot of like the old school one and the animated series of this and the first movie where he was an ex-gangster, he goes and has a chemical bath, comes out as this fucking crazy asshole who used to be a gangster. Or maybe a hand to the uh, main gangster involved or whatever. But Killing Joke changed it and kind of made it seem like they're the same age. So that's usually what we get. But uh, we'll have to see how that is. Uh, let's Let's continue down the line. And... You know, just keep on keeping on with this. All right, so we're back. I already talked Colin Farrell, man. I thought that he was incredible. Um, just that it, it, he didn't even, it, like I said, he was like playing Tony Soprano and then he had makeup on that made him look like this totally different character. So I'm very much looking forward to that series. The, the other series that's coming out, Gotham PD with Jeffrey Wright. Uh, this is going to be a year before, so three years previous, the prequel right before Batman comes around. This might be the miniseries. I don't know. But Jeffrey Wright as a cop, he's trying to make it through Gotham, maybe introduce other cops, you know, like, um, for instance, you could do Latoya, who hasn't been used, I don't think, in a while. Uh, You could do um, Harvey, you know, just kind of introduce some of the cops. A lot of the corruption... If they're going for like a wire feel, which 
they enlisted the guy that used to work on Sopranos and Wire, so I would assume it's going to have that type of, maybe even like for the 90s, like NYPD Blue, a very serious style cop drama, Dragnet. That's a that's an old classic for some of you. But, um... Or, it's Montoya, not Latoya. It's, uh, yeah, Montoya and Harvey... See, this would suck. There's two Harveys. One's Harvey Dent. And the other one is not... Do-do-do-do-do. Harvey. Good old... No. Bullock. That's you go. So, kind of introduce some of these cops. Flesh it out. Make this, like, a really... Street level, going over different serial killers that are killing people, the crime, you know, and kind of introduce maybe some of the inner workings that we'll see play out in Penguin. I'm uh, I'm very interested in that. And like I said, Jeffrey Wright was great as uh, Detective Gordon. Um, I could tell that he definitely took from Gary Oldman's Gordon, but also probably watched Year One, which is definitely a Jim Gordon uh, story as much as a Batman story and also uh, The Last Halloween, like I keep on saying. So uh, Andy Serkis, like I said, underutilized but great as Alfred. And I like that we have like a newer badass version of Alfred again because I love that aspect about the one from Gotham. Um, we have John Turturro, like I said, Carmen Falcone. Awesome. Peter Skarsgård played the old DA, uh, Jill Coulson. Um, and then uh, Jamie Lawson played uh, Belia Reel, who was the the new mayor after the other one previously was killed. But uh, yeah, just um, good stuff all around. Great cast, especially for all like the main players. And I love the performances between each actor. Like I said, the, the, the whole thing, the plot's great. The 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 acting is great. The editing's great. Cinematography, the 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 score they use. I like all that. The the use of of uh, that Nirvana song, um, something in the way, in certain parts, very eerie. It was it was used in the right parts. The whole thing that I had an issue with was the pacing itself. But still, great film. So yeah, so I like the film a lot. I give it. I'm gonna give it a eight out of 10 and that could go down or up based on in April when I get to see us again in my house and just chill and watch it. Um, so we'll have to go from there, but still an eight is not a bad thing at all. I, I definitely, if you guys knew my list, um, that I made for my favorite Batman films, Batman and Robin now get knocked from 20 and off the list. They are 21. So fuck them. And even though I don't like what now is 20, certain aspects of the adaptation of The Killing Joke, like all the extra bullshit romance stuff, weird romance stuff between Batman and Batgirl, that is still the adaptation of the stuff that they completely took from the comic books were fantastic. So I don't have a problem with that one. Now all the movies, some of them aren't as good. But none of them suck as bad as Batman and Robin, so I'm glad that's gone. And I would put this, you know, my top five was Batman uh, Mask of the Phantasm, The Dark Knight Returns 1 and 2, then I had uh, Batman 89, Batman Begins, and The Dark Knight. 
So I'm going to actually knock down Mask of the Phantasm. I'm also going to knock down the Dark... Yeah, the Dark Knight Returns. I think this is now... Th- or uh, It's between this and 89 that I'm going. Which one? Do- 89 is so nostalgic. It's one of my first memories of being a kid is seeing that movie. So I'm going to say Dark Knight, number one. Dark Knight... Or not Dark Knight. Batman Begins, number two. I'm actually, until the next showing, going to say Batman 89 is number three. The Batman, number four. And The Dark Knight Returns, one and two. Number five out of my top 20. If you guys didn't see the previous episode, it's right below this. I talk about movies that influenced this. Some of the one, some in which I talked on this podcast about, obviously. And also the history of the development from the Cape Crusader, the old school Batman, if you will, to the Dark Knight and what he is today. And also my top 20 favorite Batman films, which I just filled you in on the change. But this is still an excellent movie. Like I said, the three series that are coming in, we have the Gotham PD one, which, like I said, will be held from Jeffrey Wright. Um, and, I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it's uh, Terrence Winter, and he worked on Sopranos, Boardwalk Empire, and a little bit of The Wire. So the crime element of the show itself, him and Matt Reeves working on this. Apparently Matt Reeves not only is going to be showrunning or at least producing all of them, but he's going to be directing some episodes. So he's going to be John Favreauing what John Favreau is doing for the Star Wars shows. Um, I think Kevin Feige is still in charge of the shows on Marvel. But it seems like all these shows will come out. One will come out. Like this might like just be a one-off, just explaining Gotham's corrupt police department right leading into maybe maybe the next season is, if there is a next season, will be the first year of Batman and a little bit of interaction between him. Because Robert Pattinson has not turned down, and I don't think Matt Reeves has, that he's not going to be a part of any of these. He kind of has to on some of them. So if this shows, you know the police department, and then maybe they do another season with Batman first interacting with Gordon, probably pulling a lot more, like I said, from that mythos of Batman year one from Frank Miller into it. That will be cool. And then it's kind of set up and shows you more. And by the time they're done with that, they're about to do another film and you're all up to date on how corrupt Gotham PD is and separate it. Like I said, don't make it like Gotham. Gotham was a fun pulp comic style way of doing things do this more like the wire like you know nypd blue like a very well in-depth cop show cop drama so i'm looking forward to that and then we get the penguin series colin farrell and this will be after the events it will be a scarface like story is what matt reeves said um, Colin Farrell originally wasn't going to reprise it, but I guess they gave him that money. So he's coming on to do it. And it will be about him kind of just taking over the crime world after Carmine Falcone dies, uh, within this. And, uh, I'm, I'm excited. I'm wondering if Kravitz will come back. Maybe if we'll have some interaction with the bat and him from some shit that he gets like he gets into, there's a lot of cool things they can do. I'm assuming, based on how Star Wars... Because this is all modeled for HBO Max to have some counter things 
to the Star Wars Marvel shows. So they're able to do Marvel show, Marvel show, Marvel show, Marvel show, Star Wars show, Star, you know, this will be three goth or three Batman or in this universe back to back to back, probably eight to 10 episodes. I would think if it's a mini series, I would say less. I don't know which ones, like I said, it's either the Gotham one, which would make a lot of sense of being like maybe a two season mini series, or they just do the lead up to Batman coming there and it's just a one season thing. Or maybe this Penguin story of him taking over will be about two seasons leading into the next movie and wherever the heck that goes. They definitely want interaction with a crowd um, that's watching these films, that wants the extra stuff. So, i.e. me. <laughs> you know, and then it will just be about Oz himself and Tony Soprano style just ripping through people mercilessly. And this, this is the beautiful thing about it. These are HBO Max series, but these are the same producers, developers that made the HBO series. Well, stuff like Game of Thrones, like I said, The Sopranos, The Fucking Wire, American Gods is on Showtime, actually. That's not the same one. But you get what I'm saying. A lot of stuff. And they'll put as much money. They'll get big actors. And that's what leads me to this last one. The newest one, Matt Reeves in an interview, not only confirmed that... um. The actor that everyone thought was the Joker was the Joker in uh, Barry uh, Keoghan. I'm going to fuck this up every single time. Keoghan, um, but also said that they're going to be more in this new series they're developing about Arkham Asylum. I don't know if it's going to be the, the history of the Arkhams, which I'm pretty sure they were involved in the Court of Owls, one of Grant Morrison's great contributions uh, besides the Judas effect and many others for the Batman mythos of the early corruption, the almost like NWO, if you will, Illuminati presence of the rich um, coming from the United States. So I don't know if that's going to be an aspect or if it's going to be like a, it was John Campion suggested an anthology series, you know, and if this is something that's kind of presented as like, there's eight episodes and each episode, maybe you take Hugo strange or maybe you take Dr. Crane, maybe one of them, and you have a, a person that they go over their backstory. And this the cool thing about it is that you don't have to necessarily um, pick major villains. You could pick, like, one and do a lot of, like, more obscure characters and kind of change it up a little bit. Like, they've got a lot of different cool psychological killers. Like, I already gave that idea for Dr. Freeze, so that's something. But Cornelius Sturk, he's a friggin' cannibal. Uh, Dr. Zaz, he marks his body after he murders people. I know they made him a vigilante in Gotham, but the original character is just a fucking, like a Cletus Cassidy, crazy-ass psycho, you know, killer. But the Calendar Man, who I think being developed would be really cool as, like, a Hannibal Lecter, like they used him in Long Halloween, but kind of flesh him out a little bit. And these guys, some of them could have been apprehended by Batman, some of them couldn't. Batman could take people in there. Like, they can do a lot of interactions like that, but if it's anthology, each episode, not so much the series itself, but focuses on one supervillain and goes into his backstory and developing it and kind of, like, giving you these weirdos that are at this asylum... And also maybe going into the corruption of the asylum itself. So, 
I mean, I, I, I say, you know, bring it on. So I, I'm excited about that, you know, but yeah, this is a, I guess that's it, man. I, I, I like the movie a lot. Um, I know it sounds like, because of the inflection of my voice, like that, what I'm saying about the time takes away from it, but don't focus on that. I still really like the film. I mean, I just put it at, I was discussing with myself whether to replace it with Batman 89 and decided let's hold off until I see it again. And Batman 89 is one of my favorite fucking Batman movies of all time. You know, the fact that I am arguing whether it's going to be three and four, still a good film. What they're going to do in the future, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I love keeping it like this Arkham Asylum, you know, Arkham City vibe of the video games. A little bit more of the early Batman the Animated Series detective angles based off of all these incredible contributions to the mythos, whether it be Paul Dini from the Animated Series or Jeff Loeb with the Long Halloween, Dark Victory, and Hush. Could they do Hush? That's another question. You know, what are they going to be able to show off within here? What are these shows going to be like? Will we ever have maybe Michael B. Jordan's Valzad Superman meet fucking Robert Pattinson's Batman? That makes me excited. You know, and there's a lot of stuff that's going to be good, and uh, hopefully DC won't just DC. Cause, or I should say Warner Brothers likes the Warner Brothers. So hopefully they don't fuck it up. But I have a lot of faith. Like George Michael in that song. But anyways, I hope you guys enjoy this breakdown of the movie. Let me know what you think. You know, where I post this on Twitter, on Facebook. Let's comment. Let's go back and forth. Message me. You can find me at Dane Alves 42 on Twitter. You can find me at Dane Alves on Facebook. Just look me up. Uh, I'm the schmuck. I think I have like something Batman related. I think it's all the heads of all the actors. Not like them decapitated or anything. Anyways. Just hit me up. Let's talk. Uh, like I said, check out the other episode if you haven't, where I go over the history of the Dark Knight. I go over movies that inspired Matt Reeves, the Batman, that aren't comic book related, and my top 20 favorite Batman films, uh, live action or animated, in which I was able this week to put the Batman into spot four. Maybe it could get to spot three based on a second viewing. And took off Batman and Robin off the fucking list. So, good stuff there. Also do Wrestling Geeks Alliance. We're going to be doing a show this week. If this show comes out on Monday, we're recording our wrestling show and our breakdown over the pay-per-view. So I'm doing this on Sunday. Of uh, of AEW Revolution. It's on tonight, so we'll be doing the review on Monday night. And we'll have that up by Tuesday. So definitely check that out if you're a wrestling fan. But, just... Have a great day. Let the Geek Fights be with you. And as always, peace out. Where's Rachel? Shut up. Jesus Christ. You guys have a good one.